This is exactly right. On the 12th season of Tenfold More Wicked, we investigate a series of compelling mysteries from the city of Fall River, Massachusetts, where problems started generations before Lizzie Borden's murders made her a household name. Join me as we cover the misfortunes that have befallen this infamous town for more than 150 years, including the Great Fire of 1843. Season 12 premieres Monday, May 13th on Exactly Right. Follow Tenfold More Wicked on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Kurt, you ready for me to go first this week? You know I love it when you do. It takes the burden off you. And for that, I would do it forever. Uh, But this one just made me laugh. Sleeping audience member awakes with a scream as an orchestra plays a louder part of the movement. (laughs) Oh, I'm excited to hear that. And we get ready to have a screamingly good time on this episode of Bananas. Guys, gals, non-binary pals, welcome to Bananas. I'm sitting across digitally from Scotty Landis. That over there is the one and only Kurt Brownoler, star of Barbarian on (laughs) HBO Max soon. (laughs) It is true. It is coming to HBO Max. But more importantly, folks, is my my new hour, my new stand-up hour, Perfectly Stupid. It's coming out October 27th on Moment. And this is cool. Why is it cool, Scotty? It is so cool. Well, one, I was there, and so I saw how good it was. So I just know you're going to love it and laugh your socks off. But two, it's you get to watch it from the comfort of your home for a very limited amount of time. So don't sit on your hands. Download this thing and watch it. Yeah, people and, have been like, "What? where is it? Where can I say? I'm like, this place, moment. You go, and it's like it's there for two weeks. You have two weeks to watch this beautiful special, and it's a way for, like, essentially like artists to be getting their stuff directly to fans and so yes. it's a very cool new way to do it plus there is a there's a there's a credit there's an end credit scene scotty with jokatron well i'm um, ready so there's that it's the only special with a post credit scene so please go and get it right now you can link in bio uh, are you got are you ready for me to bring out our fantastic guest scotty i'm ready because she's also a comedian so she can jump right in Oh, my God. She's so goddamn funny. I have loved her uh, ever since uh, I saw her perform on Hot Tub many, many moons ago. Heard of it. She's a fantastic Canadian. Ooh. (laughs) And a fantastic comedian. Very good. Uh, You might have seen her recently on Bill Burr Presents Friends Who Kill. Uh, You should be listening to her wonderful podcast, Steph Infection. Please welcome the wonderful Steph Tolev. Oh, hello. How the hell are we? So good. Good, Good, Steph. So good. And I bet you sound great because you have a true podcaster setup. You have the mic. Yeah, I got the old arm mic. It's a bit annoying to take down all the time. But yeah, we got the setup. You know, when you when you record your podcast from home, like we all clearly are doing. Yeah, happens. Yeah, you have to get all that's right. A lot. It's a lot. We've been trying to get you on for so long. So happy that we finally made this happen. I've been hounding. I've been in the DMs. (laughs) 
Banging down my door, goddammit. I've been up your ass. Put me on the goddamn podcast. If like, you Joe Rogan, I, you finally answer. I'm kidding. I was. <laughs> I love, like, you just, your clips have been so funny on Instagram recently. It just seems like you are performing at all times. That's you, yeah, and I don't love. It. <laughs> I don't love it. Also, hilarious. You mentioned that I'm actually currently on month two of being uh, in Instagram jail. I had. Oh wow! They had me in jail for a month, uh, which means I make no money off any of my reels because they I've gone against the community guidelines in such a way that I am in, I'm in shit. So they told me uh, I had this big thing. I mean, like on uh, October 9th, you're gonna get out of it. You're you're allowed to make money again. And then I posted a clip yesterday, talking going off about a woman who sh- her husband shaves her asshole. Yes, I saw that. That was very funny. Well, thank that's you. family friendly for I, me. That's what I thought. And apparently they they sent me this wild thing saying that it goes against the community guidelines in Japan. So now what? I'm back shadow banned again for another whole month. It's very upsetting because, you know, this is what we do. We fucking, you know, put content out there. We're trying to get views. We're trying to get money off this fucking shit. And now, I'm, of course, yeah, I'm, I'm getting no money. I'm in fucking jail again. for another month. And why else would anyone get married except to have somebody legally bound to them shave their asshole? That seems like choice number one. Is this OK? Have you guys ever done this before? Have you ever shaved your wife's assholes? Sadly, I'm not married. So, <laughs> you know. And no, I have not it's shaved Sequoia. my wife's asshole. Because oh. people are going crazy on TikTok now, acting like I'm crazy for thinking it's insane. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with this woman? I'm like, What's wrong with you? I barely like. I remember, Kurt. You, I don't know if you did the joke, but you used to have an asshole joke, didn't you, about your kid's asshole? Yes, yes, yes. I, I don't do it anymore, but I, I need new material, so I should bring it back. <laughs> you should bring it. That was a very funny joke, but I was like. I like I don't want it. I'm fucking <laughs> I already know what's going on back there. It ain't pretty. We like to keep That's right. myself. I don't need a light on there. It's a whole thing. It's really Absolutely. you. The bit for people, since it's removed, I guess we we, get to, we should talk about it. Yeah, it's still there. It's still up there. Okay, good. You guys should go watch it. But you uh, figuring out slowly what she's talking about is very, very funny. I was yeah. so mad. Because you're like, I have been performing a lot, but I'll tell you right now, it's a lot. I, I don't know why people want to be road dogs. I'm not complaining. Something books, whatever. I, it's telling them I'm being a complainer right, right. now. It's a lot to have to do it every fucking weekend. Like, I just need to. Of course. I want to pet yeah. my dog. And like, it, I was in Atlanta this weekend and it was wild. Every crowd, it's like they've never seen a comedy show in their life. People were tailgating in the fucking parking lot before my show. Well, good for you. That's exciting. <laughs> this is my crowd. Was this it? Was it the improv? No, it was, it was the punchline. The punchline. Like, okay. Just like talking throughout. Constantly, like not not a minute of me to get through a joke. Just like, oh, yeah, wow, all right, what's well, what's next? I go, shut the fuck up. That's what's next. Let me. That's get- crazy. It was crazy. It was honestly. I've been doing comedy for twenty years now, and it was one of the craziest weekends of my life. To be honest, it was nuts. <laughs> and threw napkins at me. It wasn't a beer like the other girl got a hit with a beer, but like what? Like, there's a at your show. Guy threw napkins at me. He's so pissed off. He, one of the guys that was tailgating was so drunk. I pissed him off, and he whipped napkins. I mean, obviously he didn't go anywhere because they're fucking napkins. But like, yeah, great thing to throw. Honestly, now that you're saying it, maybe the highest class thing to throw because it's <laughs> you can learn to juggle with napkins because they float like snowflakes back down to the ground. <laughs> they were soiled. They were quite wet. I'm not sure what why they were so wet, but they were wet. They did. They got a bit of distance. They got pretty close. Oh, Atlanta. <laughs> oh, Atlanta. Oh, Atlanta. 
Well, that's interesting. Actually, this kind of, it's funny, because this kind of ties into our news story, which we can kind of continue off of. So Amelia sent this in. Sleeping audience member awakes with a scream as an orchestra plays a louder part of the movement. This was written by Lori Dorn. She is the best in the business at writing. And this was on laughingsquid.com. For many people, classical music is the preferred choice when it's time to relax, read, or sleep. <laughs> the long, ornate compositions are certainly conducive to sleep in particular, as this woman at a concert at the North State Symphony in California found out to hilarious results. Performing the piece The Firebird by Russian composer Igor Stravinsky, the orchestra had apparently lulled the woman into a deep sleep. <laughs> Which Kurt and I used to go to musicals and plays in New York, and we fell asleep almost every single time. Um, suddenly, however, as the piece springs back to life with a dramatic flourish of drums and violin, sho- it shocked the snoozing woman into waking up, and she woke with a loud scream, which was heard across the concert hall, which is incredible, oh. which is the greatest thing that can happen during an orchestra playing. The musicians all took it in stride, not missing a beat. Audience and musicians alike found the incident highly amusing and began laughing at the sudden interruption. I mean, laughing into a trombone, very funny. Uh, Something like this would be frowned upon as rude and disrespectful in many concert halls across the world. And while embarrassing... uh, Oh, and while embarrassing for the dozing dame, all right, Lori Dorn, relax. It was <laughs> it was lucky that her incident was taken with good humor. Oh man, I love that. That would make the that would make the experience of seeing that uh, symphony uh, ten times better for me to have yeah. someone. <laughs> like is that how she awakes all the time when she's stuck? <laughs> Can you imagine her having a woman waking beside the guy, and that's how she's like coming to screaming? Like that's that's a lot. Good morning, right? honey. I do have my wife screams on a hair trigger. Uh, like if I walk into a room and she's simply not expecting me to be there, she'll scream. And I'm like, <laughs> I live here. I have lived with you for 10 years. When are we going to get used to me being here? <laughs> have you guys ever had people in the front row sleeping at your stand-up shows? Have you ever looked out? And ju- yeah, right? Oh, hell yeah. Very, very recently. And it was like, I was also telling like the nastiest bit ever. It was like something I don't really want to say it in this podcast, but it was fucking That's okay. down. I'm like, this guy's sleeping through this bit and his friends like shook him awake. I'm like, no, no, I need him to sleep through this because it's such a fucking I think what the fuck it was. I think it was like it was at a club. It was at like a bigger club, too. I think it was like this. Not, it might have been the store or something crazy like that. Or yeah. Big club. And it was like a, I was just doing a big bit on my lady. I was just comparing it to something repulsive. God. It is always fascinating that the sleeping people choose to sit so close to the stage. <laughs> That's always the part that I'm confused about. Like if I feel like maybe, maybe in the next hour and 15 minutes, I'm going to fall asleep. I want to sit way back in the dark. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you, some people like, like the one woman that was like really talking at uh, one of my shows on Saturday night was just like, Every single word that she couldn't, she couldn't be quiet for one second. Like her husband started laughing and she said, can you stop? You're laughing too much. I'm like, let the man live. You're out of. Wow. Really? That's crazy. Really? And I'm like, you, but she would have for sure been yapping through an orchestra. Like this woman, like had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I do like when people narrate what everybody else is there to listen to quietly when there's a, that happens all the time. Sometimes it happens in movies, but whenever people are like, and now they're going over there, you're like, yes, we're all witnessing in the same time as you are. 
Or when they repeat your punchlines back. Like sometimes at comedy shows, you'll say your punchline, and then you'll just hear the person be like, it was the cat. And then you're like, yeah, we all heard it, and now it's just weird. Or someone just saying, like, that was funny after you, f- after like people are <laughs> laughing. And not laughing. It's, it's when they have the dead face. Oh, that was funny. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> was it funny? Because usually people react in a different way. I heard, and you two can vouch for this, especially since you've been on the road so much, Steph, is I've heard that when comedians know that their material's really working, when the wait staff and the bar staff are laughing. Is that true? Do you ever pay attention to that kind of thing? I think so, yeah. I think that I, I'll notice it, especially if you're doing like a long weekend by like the fourth show, they're still laughing. Okay, that makes me feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. it, it's usually they tell you afterwards. Yeah, they usually say like that. Nah, you were that was funny. I see a lot of stuff. That was funny. That that's usually like the night's nice compliment from like a, a waiter or something. I had two waiters buy my my t shirt, so I feel like that that was something. I'm like that's that, great. Like that's you know they're not. Wow, that's pretty I'm, good. Oh god, I was like that makes me feel good. What is your t shirt? What is your t shirt? I'm assuming it's something like uh, like metally. Yeah, actually, yeah, I think I have. A, yeah, I have a. Com- She's got one, folks. She's walking. She's, she's lifting one. a canvas a ba- bag. She's a in a. It is in an individually sealed package. Oh, it looks good. Yeah, no, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's because I wear a lot of. I wear a lot of fucking Iron Maiden shirts. We're coming up, baby. Of course. Oh, it's an Iron Maiden Steph Tolove shirt. That's cool. Isn't that? Cool? Oh, that's really good. I know it's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. Damn. here. <laughs> individually wrapped. Now soiled in a corner, covered. <laughs> special one it smells like my dog's ass i was once at an open mic where they had it was like i guess it was sort of a hybrid show there were a couple people that were real comics and they were going to kind of headline but to put some butts in seats for an open mic show they kind of had a couple closers and this one woman goes up and starts telling a story and it's probably her first time ever doing stand-up and everybody's kind of being as supportive as they are at open mics. And then it keeps going. And somebody gives her the light for like her four minutes. And then gives her a light at six minutes. And then eight minutes. And then ten minutes. And then it became almost this other thing. Where then we were all laughing at this person. Just keep. She just was burning the light. And then uh, without exaggerating. About 25 minutes in. Oh. She's still talking. Only one person is laughing at her material now. We're all making eye contact like. What is happening? And then the comedian who was one of the closers, this was in New York, was uh, that guy Tom Shalhoub, and he crossed across the entire room, and while the woman's talking, he just takes the mic out of her hand and goes, and that's how the story ends. Thank you. Really? (laughs) Yes. Oh, wow. So then that woman starts tearing up. She starts getting upset because she felt like he was stealing her thunder, even though she was, I don't know, 20 times over what she was supposed to do. And this other guy gets up and is like, that's fucked up, man. And then a fight almost breaks out. And Tom gets on the mic and goes, actually, I'm saving her from so much embarrassment. You think I ruined her set. But for everybody else in here, I just did all of us a huge favor. <laughs> and then we all clapped so there wouldn't be a fight. We were like, we agree with the comedian, man. Oh my but God. it was one of the strangest ones I've ever seen. That almost feels like she was doing a bit at that point. When you're going that far over, did she keep doing the... Like, was she acknowledged the light, but just... Not at all. Just was okay. having, I think it was like somebody who had always wanted to try stand-up and then got a couple generous laughs in the first 30 seconds and then was like, I'm going to tell you the entire story of my month and laugh at my own jokes the whole way through. It was it was good. Wow. I wish I had seen that. <laughs> yes. I remember in, I, it was Richmond. I was playing like a, uh, an, a bar, like kind of a punk bar that had some like arcade games in it. And this opener... 
She was the feature, I guess. She, mm-hmm. I think, must have been on heroin. If she wasn't on heroin while performing, then I'm then I'm fascinated by her style and delivery. <laughs> um, but it was like the slowest, weirdest, and mm-hmm. all of the jokes didn't make sense. And they were like, she and she was mentioning like children's genitalia and stuff, and oh, then like no. laughing about it. And it was like this weird, dreamy kind of like talk. And then it was like supposed to be like rolling intros, you know? So it's like the host and then, or I guess the person who went first because they didn't host. And then this woman and then me. And then it was just like, she just went on for so long. And then finally was like, oh. And like looked around as if waking up on stage, like unware. And then was like, I, oh. And then and then left without introducing me because she just kept getting the light. So left without introducing me. So then I just had to like walk up and then she sat in the back and talked until I had to like shame her into leaving from the stage. Because there was Always only like fun. this is years ago. There was probably Always like fun. 55 people at a space that could like hold 160. And she was talking at the bar with her friends for like 15 minutes of the op- like while I was doing the set. And finally I was like, you need to leave. And then I was like, it's you, the <laughs> opener. And I was just like furious. <laughs> I got played yeah, off for my first time 19 years into comedy. This is right before the pandemic. I just got put on development at the comedy store. It was my first okay. set ever. So it was when Adam was the booker. It's a new booker now. I'm like, anyways, yes. getting all fucking whatever. So I you used to do spots before shows in the belly room for like whatever, like the cold opens. Yeah. But my set was like five minutes. I'm like, I know five minutes. So I get I see the light. I'm like, okay. So I grab the mic stand. I'm like wrapping up my joke. I'm putting it in blaring music. And I go, are you fucking kidding me right now? Whoa. Get off. And I'm like, <laughs> literally was like, I've been doing comedy for 19 years. I'm like, I've never once been played off. I'm like, this is fucked. And I got off. I was like, I went, to, I went to the booker. I'm like, you're fucked, man. I'm like, I, I was trying to throw the rock the boat, but I'm like, that's the rudest thing. I'm like, I was leaving. It wasn't like I was going over. I was maybe. Over right. I wasn't up there yapping around. Also, it was one of those shows too, where you didn't recognize a single person on the actual show. So it's yeah, like, all fucking open micers. I'm like, buddy, I'm the only one here who actually two words in headlines. Uh, let me do six, six and a half minutes here. Like six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild. Was um, it like a rock song? Was it just oh, or was like, it just loud? Aired whatever the fuck was there uh, the theme song, and I was like, oh my fucking god, it was nuts. <laughs> Pretty right. great. Yeah. You guys want another one? Hit it. Here it is. Oh, King Charles has hired a full time piper to wake him up every morning. Oh, my God. Yeah, baby. Oh, boy. You give this guy power for two weeks, and suddenly he's just Looney Tunes <laughs> all around Buckingham Palace. This is uh, in Yahoo Life, but also in Cosmopolitan. That counts. Uh, uh, written by Mahara Bonner, who's Oof. the best in the biz at talking Sh- about pipes. Here, here, they are good. Here it is. Today in the Royals being extra beyond belief, it appears as though King Charles, man who hates pens with a passion, I don't know that story, (laughs) has Mm -hmm. hired a piper to wake him up by playing bagpipes out his window at 9 a.m. every day because apparently hitting snooze on an iPhone alarm just won't do. I appreciate the exclamation points without capitalization. Thank you very much, Uh, Mahara. The employment of a personal piper is actually something of a tradition among monarchs, one that Queen Elizabeth also enjoyed, according to The Sun. Uh, Charles recruited pipe major Paul Burns for the job, 
who burns the pipes. He played at the Her Majesty's funeral last month. Quote, his mother adored having her piper. It's a lovely tradition, a source mused. Everyone remembers that moment the pipe major finished the committal as he played the pipes, turning his back and walked away. The king was full of uh, admiration for how he carried out his duty for the queen. Everyone is delighted the quirky job did not disappear with her. The tradition is for it to happen at 9 a.m., but the king is always awake much earlier. Oh. Well, yeah. What what do they have to do? 9 a.m.? They're sleeping in. Oh, man. I didn't know there was Pipe Major. Pipe Major Paul Burns tweeted about his experience. Do do we need a... Do we, does the Pipe Major need a Twitter? I'm following it. <laughs> uh, he tweeted, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II was my colonel-in-chief, and her husband, Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, was my royal colonel. To have played the pipes at both of their funerals in Windsor Castle as a higher honor as a serving soldier as a young lad, I live close to Belmark. Blah, 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 blah. That's the end, folks. He's got a bagpiper. That's the whole point of the story. Look, I can speak. I can speak very. <clears throat> I used to Highland dance as a young child. So uh, did Kurt. No, I, Irish step dance. Highland dancing oh. is Scottish. It's got, oh. Guess what? It's played by the bagpipes. So I was founded by the bagpipes at 318. Did I also learn to play the bagpipes when I was 18 years old? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. I played for one. Wow. And I'll tell you right now, very bad sound. That is not <laughs> what you want to be working with. It is a very irritating sound, especially if it's that courtyard echoing. Very annoying. Very, very bad sound. Going to start your day off on the wrong side of the bed. I'll tell you that. What right. a crazy way to start your day. Yeah. What a non-soothing way. Like if my phone alarm kicks in too loud too fast i get furious at it and it's like light jazz stylings yeah yeah this is crazy this is crazy i love Bang. the way that it starts you know when the bags are just going before the packing yeah. begins you have to warm it up <laughs> egg pipes don't just start automatically you have to warm it up he probably has yeah. to up a little bit like you can't tune that up in, in quiet there's no fucking pillow to cover it up with you're gonna die also right after his mother died he, he goes over taps hey uh great service can you come open for me every morning like as his mom's getting lowered into the fucking grave he's asked yes yeah yes old pipe major paul burns was so excited to finally finally not have to play the bagpipes (laughs) every morning at 9 (laughs) a.m oh our thing to do Oh, King Chucky would like you to do it from himself. <laughs> oh, good. Another 20 years of waking up a person that already kind of looks like a corpse with bagpipes. <laughs> Nothing normal about it. Also, like, go let, make him come into your fucking bedroom, asshole. And now you're going to wake up every single person in the fucking neighborhood with the damn bagpipes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I've, you know, there's sort of a joke that, you know, like all bagpiping kind of sounds the same or it's all sort of, you know, some people love it, I guess. But I've heard bad bagpipers i've heard somebody that was not good at it and it is the one of the funniest things in the world i heard it at a cemetery not at a funeral i was at but i think it was at greenwood in brooklyn i was just Uh walking around looking for birds and i heard somebody kicking into whatever to send them and it was so bad that i just started laughing and then i'm like if anybody sees me it looks like i'm just watching their funeral and cracking up like it's the funniest thing in town but it was all off pitch and key or whatever it is it was so bad there was also a guy who would just bagpipe in Greenwood Cemetery just oh. for fun as well. Oh. Um, so he would stand up on top of a hill and he would just be there. Because I used to live on that street, so I would yeah. hear it a lot. Um, but as Just a, practicing. As a Canadian, what is the, what is the like, as a Canadian, how, how do you feel about the, 
the royal family because you're you're tertiarily related, right? Yeah, and my grandma was like obsessed with her in a way that was hmm. bizarre. I don't know why. Uh-huh. So we a lot of a lot of memorabilia. She made me read about her a lot. I don't I don't really know. She the Canadians don't really talk about them. Like she's on her yeah. honey, and that's it. We're not like no one talks about the queen really. Right. And, Good. And I heard that Canada is not going to change their money. Right. They're just going to keep the old queen on. Yeah, I think so. That's that was. Look, I don't I don't use that money anymore. But yeah, I think so. <laughs> that's if it's trash. You refuse. When it's you trash. go to visit, you just pay in American dollars. I do use my debit card from America. I do. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Wild you do. right now. Um, yeah, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we don't. I don't think we like. We don't learn much about it in school. Like it's just kind of okay. I don't know. It's just she's there, but not really. Or maybe I'm just stupid. Didn't, I was too busy hearing ringing from bagpipes uh, in my ears from hearing it my entire life. So I don't think I. Yes. I don't learn anything in school, but <laughs> hearing the sound of bagpipes. Yes. Very hard to play. I will say they're also the finger grouping. You have to do a really weird twist with your pinky where you flick it. Flick. Couldn't, couldn't get really. That's very hard. Mm. And you practice on a thing called the chanter, and that sounds. Way worse than anything else. A chanter? What does it look like? It's just a little pipe? Yeah, it's just the bottom part. So when you... Okay. And it's just like the... Ah, that's that's a high pitch. Like, it's horrible. My dad used to put on, like, headphones and, like, blare fucking Bon Jovi in his goddamn ears when I'd practice because he hated it. That's cool. <laughs> that's cool. But, like, I, I don't mind the sound of a bagpipe, but the idea of waking up to it is comical. Like, it really is just so outland. It's the sound you don't want to hear before lunch it's an after lunch instrument yes that's cool though but also back to having like the royals on the canadian money why we should change who's on the money all the time i don't like the numbers on there why are we still looking at benjamin franklin and and abe lincoln and george i don't want to look at these old dudes like put some cool people on there i like it when they let the states make quarters where it's just like we don't we're gonna fucking just put up a tree on ours we don't give a (laughs) shit (laughs) it's like every state's just like we got a bird on ours we got a tree on ours like what's your state known for we throw it on a coin we don't care yeah they did that put oprah on money we had toonies that were like a fucking polar bear and people were like getting pissed off like what's with the polar bear like who cares it's just that's cool are there polar bears are there polar bears in the upper parts of, of Canada? course i've never seen them but i'm sure they're up there yeah yeah they go all the way up of course they, they do they, they go, go all the way to the, they go canada up. goes all the way to the top baby and they walk right to the top and they just stay there it's a, it's a polar bears are north animals and not south animals yeah yeah south animals is only the pe- penguin right okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. sometimes you get confused guys all right well, and nobody watches the Olympics anymore because it got super boring. But I bet if you won the most golds for your country and they put you on the hundred dollar bill, people would be trying real hard to get on currency for four years. I thought you were going to go the other way, which was either going to be having polar bears in the Olympics or that you had to kill a polar bear as an nope. Olympic sport. I thought it was one or the other. I mean, having a polar bear in the Olympics would be pretty great. Boom, polar bear bobsled team. I'm in. They're very I'm in. fast and powerful. And they have Very to work cool. together. That's against their strength. Mm-hmm. You want us, right. me to tease you into the next one? Please do. This one is very close to our hearts mm-hmm. because Kurt and I just walked across uh, all of Los Angeles 19 miles over the weekend, and we saw this many, many times. Amanda Jean sent this in. Thank you, Amanda Jean. Food delivery robot rolls through active crime scene. Yes, we should have opened with this one. God, <laughs> I want to hear about this. Uh, we'll be back with more bananas right after this. Bananas, baby, bananas, bananas, baby, 
We are back. Scott G. Drunk Dragon. Can you can you, you got any shout outs? I do. I have three quick ones. Amy is shouting out Ellen and Jordan. They just have a new baby. And Jordan recently survived a brain surgery, successful brain surgery. So that's a big couple months for these two lovebirds. And uh, not e- nearly as important, they were at our Indianapolis show. Kurt, that was a very fun show. That was a very fun show. It was one of our first shows. Recorded. That's right. It was one of our lost episodes because the guy got so excited, he turned it off when we started, and then when we stopped, he turned it on. (laughs) Yeah. Great show. Um, Another Amy, a different Amy, has been listening to Bananas at one and a half times speed and wondering why nobody was talking about how weird our theme song now sounds. She just thought it was super fast and nobody cared, but then discovered that one of her toddler twins accidentally uh, sped it up and accidentally posted her husband's bank account to their Facebook. <laughs> really? That's, that's a great toddler. That's so I'm shouting toddler. out those twin toddlers, and good luck, Amy. You're going to have your handful in life. And last but not least, this one got buried a little bit earlier this summer, but I definitely want to shout it out. Lindsay Heiler, who I went to high school with, Kurt. Whoa, okay. Uh, a woman named Lauren McKenzie told me that Lindsay was recognized as a top 10 nurse practitioner in Maryland oh. by Baltimore Magazine. So it's an excellence in nursing. And That's they basically awesome. picked the best of the best. Um, and it says this recognition confirms that everyone who has met her or worked with her already knows that she's truly the best in the business. So, Lindsay, if I see you at a reu- if I see you at the 50 year Franklin High School reunion, Crab cakes are on me. Crab cakes are on. Crab cacks. <laughs> Crab cacks on me. And that's all I got. And we are here with the fantastic comedian Steph Tolev. Steph, tell us about Steph Infection. Just such a funny <laughs> name for your podcast. It really is. <laughs> exactly what it is. Uh, it's, a, it's a podcast all about uh, gross and weird body ailments that, uh, you know, everyone has something. Most uh, I talked to a lot of comedians, porn stars, and actors. Uh, it's a lot of stories that like, you know, you don't normally like to talk about on stage cause it could be a bit too gross and not that, mm-hmm. but yeah, everyone's, I think everyone's got a story of, of a weird body thing they have. So it's, of course. Yeah. Oh, that's a great idea for a podcast. I know someone actually, I forgot that my dad did an episode. He's an electrician. He talked about how people get electrocuted all the time and they just find <laughs> their teeth. And he said, it's <gasps> not Oh, yeah, cool. He react Cause he's like, people just die and that's they, they know who they are. And a girl heard this on the podcast and she called, she phoned to this other thing yesterday. And she said that her husband is just, is an apprentice. And now she got so worried for my dad's story. She put him on uh, her insurance. And I'm like, Oh, I'm helping people. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're saving teeth, saving lives saving and teeth. saving teeth. teeth. One set at a time. I had something recently. So I went to a dermatologist for the first time since like 2020, I guess right before the great choir. And because I have like freckles and moles and stuff. And so I was just doing a full body scan, totally. And she was like, oh, that one. Let's remove that one if you're cool. I was like, that's fine. She was like, it's a, she's like, I don't think you have to worry about anything. We'll just remove it. But she's like, but we do biopsy everything we send in. We'll call you in a week. I was like, no problem. So a little over a week goes by. And then last week I get the call. And it's like, is this uh, Scotty Landis? And I was like, yes. They're like, this is Glendale Dermatology Center or whatever. I was like, yes. And so instantly you stop what you're doing. I was like doing the dishes and I'm like yeah. listening real hard. And the the woman that called me says, there are some minor, mild irregularities um, with the test. And I said, okay. And she says, it's um, there's some irregular cells. And I go, yes. 
And she says, so there's a scale of mild. And I go, do I have cancer? <laughs> and she's like, no, 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 you don't have it. And I was like, well, st- open with that. Yeah. Well, when I that. answer the phone, don't even check if it's me. If I go, hello, go, it's not cancer. Is this Scotty Landis? <laughs> and then she goes, there's a scale and mild is the least amount. So something you don't have to. And I'm like, what is who? God, I hope you don't get a Christmas bonus this year. Open with it's not melanoma. Yeah. You're fine, but we're glad we took it off. Yeah, why would they call you if it was that little of nothing then? It blew my mind. I think they have to. I think they oh, had right. to because they did it. But it was so it was almost like a sketch where I'm like standing there being like, Well, this is it. It got me. And instead it was just the weirdest way to deliver great news <laughs> imaginable. <laughs> I um I remember going to a new dermatologist because I'm also very freckly and so I have to have all these little freckles looked at by a person once mm-hmm. and uh and it was a new guy and and he I was like wearing a towel or like around my waist essentially and very then cool. he like looked all over my back and he's like yeah you don't have to take the towel off uh, and then I was just like oh oh huh and then like so he you just don't didn't know me. Check. <laughs> All at like all like in my entire bottom area, did, he did not check. That's like for from your wife. My waist to my knees did not check. And then I got on Twitter. I was like, "Is that weird?" They're like, "My dermatologist checks in between my toes." Like, mm. yeah, like you can get a mole anywhere. Like, and it was just, I was like, "Was this guy like? Was he like a homophobic dermatologist?" Like, I think he was too turned pants on. on, bro. I ain't looking at your ding dong. I don't care if it's got cancer. Like it was like so weird. So I just stopped going to him. And then yeah. I went to a woman. She was just like, yeah. She like looked along the waistband of my underwear yeah. and everything. And Let's see like, that right. hog. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> I think it'd be honestly worse too if your dermatologist called it a ding dong. I'd be more. <laughs> 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 All right, let's see if there's any spots on that ding dong. All right, give me this. I want to hear about this. I want to hear about this robot. We saw so Steph. We saw so many. We walked 19 miles. We saw I think six. Oh wow, six delivery robots out, and I had never seen one delivery robot. And yes. they're just everywhere in LA. People are using delivery robots, and I don't know who they are. Yeah, it's uh, they're everywhere, and the fur- the closer to the ocean we got, the more and more we saw them. But they were all on their little missions or charging up. So again, Amanda Jean sent this in. Thank you, Amanda Jean. We appreciate it. Food delivery robot rolls through active crime scene. This was on Today.com, written by the best in robot business, Alex Porte. Mm, Alex nice ding dong, guy. Nice ding dong, Alex Porte. <laughs> Check those spots. Uh, the little robot zoomed right through a crime scene with police in full view. Food robots, uh, food delivery robots have been a common sight nowadays in Los Angeles. However, very few of them are suspected of being capable of raiding a crime scene. This is why Alex is good. Hooks you. Yeah. On September 13th, a food delivery robot was filmed moving through a scene (laughs) taped off by Los Angeles police. A journalist from KNBC, the local NBC affiliate, recorded the video above. We'll post it when we post this episode. Another social account, uh, at Film the Police LA, shared a similar video from a different angle that ended up going viral. In the viral video, the food delivery robot can be seen heading down a busy crosswalk, pausing upon encountering an intersection before the crime scene. A group of cameramen looked on curiously as the robot waited before the yellow tape, appeared to calculate its next move, and (laughs) then rolled right through, passing a group of uniformed police officers attending the crime scene. 
Oh, man. So uh, LAUSD says, recent reports of a critical incident at Hollywood High School were unfounded. It was somebody had called in a threat or something at the high school, so they had locked it down. It turned out to be a hoax, thank okay. goodness, which is good news. Um, but after the swift law, force, uh, law enforcement response, this robot did, in fact, roll, <laughs> roll behind the police tape and into a crime scene. <laughs> According to the company who makes them, McKinsey and Company, uh, the market for food delivery doubled during the COVID-19 pandemic, which I actually would have guessed it would have tripled or yeah. quadrupled. I mean, yeah. it, the, in 2020, I was ordering everything that you could order directly to my front door. Um, but the post-pandemic era has seen a dramatic rise in food robot delivery systems, something that, again, Kurt and I saw so many. Coco. We saw a little one's named Coco. Yeah. Uh, we saw a guy named Lance. And there, for those who can't picture it at home or have never seen these, it's kind of like a cooler mm-hmm. with four tires and it sort of has like cameras on the front and the back and lights on it but it's kind of like a rolling i don't know 40 gallon cooler just right down the sidewalk it's a little flag yeah little flag a a little face it's got little lit up eyes and uh they cross the street they follow (laughs) they just got to go where they need to go scotty did make a very funny joke he's like yeah we have r2d2 but it just delivers mcdonald's to lazy people (laughs) (laughs) It really did. <laughs> opportunity here to make that a hilarious sketch of putting a big mustache on the thing that interrupted the crime scene. Like, yes. It was like, the sheriff, I'll take care of this thing. He's just like, yes. And he solves it, just goes in. I mean, that's, that is so hilarious. For that. It's so funny. And they move like kind of quick. They're a little quicker than you imagine. So he probably like the pause and then go must have been so funny yeah. to be like, should I do that? I'm going. Yeah. Here comes Co Colombo. <laughs> <laughs> a naughty little guy. When I was uh, at college at UMass, my freshman year or sophomore year, I uh, I suddenly realized that all the delivery people were just college students. Like when you're growing up and you're in high school and stuff, you're like everybody seems older than you. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was like, oh, I know that guy. I think he's in my English class. And after I discovered that, or like a lot of more recent grads too, after I just kind of made that discovery in my own mind, I decided I would always invite them in for beer. And they always said yes. Like every single time I'd be like, do you want a beer? And they'd be like, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm like bored. And so they'd come in, drink a beer. A lot of times we'd be throwing like house parties and we'd just invite the delivery guy in and then they'd call and work and be like, I'm done for the night. So one <laughs> night I opened the door and I recognized the guy right away. And I had done a film at Hampshire College that was pure chaos. It was a true college film where it was like surreal. Part of it was black and white. Part of it was in color. Like the story just jumped. It was just a college person, what I thought, trying to be an artist. And I was like, are you Sean? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm Scotty. I was in your film four years ago. And he's like, oh, dude. And he was delivering calzones. And I was like, do you want to come in and drink a beer? We're having a party. And he's like, yeah, I do. So he starts drinking with us. And I introduced him to everybody. And another guy there had been in the film, too. And it was kind of like a fun moment. And But he, there was like a little bit of a sadness. And after like three or four beers, he was done for the night. I'm like, so what are you up to? Are you still making movies? Or are you shooting films? Or anything? And he's like, I never wanted to do that. And I said, well, what did you want to do? And he yells, I wanted to work with dolphins. <laughs> and I... <laughs> 
And I was so caught off guard. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I grew up in Hawaii. My parents are rich assholes. So I decided to go as far away from Hawaii as possible and just burn their money. And that student film was me just saying, fuck you guys. I wanted to work with dolphins and they wouldn't let me be a marine biologist. (laughs) And in a weird way. So he went to four years of college as an F you to his parents. What? And also got an art degree at Hampshire College where they don't have real majors or grades. And then ended up being a delivery guy in Amherst, Mass, because he didn't have any training in anything because the guy just wanted to swim with dolphins and take care of them. But in this weird way, it did like... It was so upsetting that it helped like steal me to be like, I'm going to move to New York after this and try to be a writer. Like he'd like done the most indirect F you to his parents. I'm like, I'm just going to go right to the source and try, man. But I'll never forget it. I was, I think it was, I was supposed to train dolphins. (laughs) And I was like, (laughs) what the hell? Best guy. I hope he, I hope he followed his dream. I hope eventually after that party, he hung up the red delivery jacket and went and trained some dolphins. I wanted you to say that he yelled out, I just wanted to deliver calzones. Like (laughs) (laughs) he did it. He did it. He's living his dream. His parents hated calzones. Soon to be put out of work by Coco, the rolling robot. (laughs) How does one get a, how does one train dolphins? How does one get to train dolphins? They got, do you just, I don't know. Do you need a degree? I feel like you can just start working at the aquarium, selling popcorn, and slowly work your way up to dolphin trainer. Is that I don't true? know. I think you have to be a bit of a pervert, too. I don't know if you guys have done a lot of Googling <laughs> with dolphins. Oh, Kurt does this a lot. Kurt knows a lot about dolphins. I sure do. There's a lot. They're va- you know that they, they rape. Mm-hmm. Yep, they're one of the few mammals. Yeah, because like I, I know people have gone. You know, I don't. I've never gone in when you go to like a trip, like Mexico, whatever. And you do little. Yeah, me neither. Around. My Seems sister not said good. no. My sister said the dolphin came up and it like locked eyes, and she was like, the dolphin wanted me, and like well, yeah. <laughs> she just, like, I knew the dolphin my was that cocky. The dolphin wanted to fuck me. Um, <laughs> the dolphin like came at her, and like it was creepy, and she had to get out of the water because it was like getting excited. Yeah, I have heard that before. I've heard that like at those swim around with dolphin photo things in the Caribbean or whatever, that sometimes they'll tell like one person like you need to get out of the water because the <laughs> dolphins. I have heard that before that they take too much interest in you and they have to do it. It'd be it'd be offensive if you didn't get attention. Like the dolphin came by you was like, Ugh. I'd be like, really? Not even the dolphins like me? <laughs> Not even at all. And now I can't get the dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> I got a new five minutes for stage. <laughs> <laughs> the little sardine I got tattooed on my ding dong is not doing it for you dolphins really dude it could happen it could, it could happen didn't know kurt was a dolphin head now i'm grossed out kurt's a dolphin one of the first episodes of bananas we talked about a famous dolphin story where the trainer fell in love with it and started uh um, giving it hand jobs Mar- all the time mary levatt no she worked for nasa no yeah, she worked for NASA. This is my favorite story ever. We haven't talked about it on Bananas since we did the story, so I'm just yeah. going to talk about it. Sure. Yeah, I will tell you all about it. Are you ready? Here it goes. Yes. As I recently reread the story to get all the details right, there's a guy. <laughs> there's a guy. He's working in. He's working for NASA. I think his last name is Lyle. I'm not sure. Um, John Lyle, I think, was his name. Okay. And uh, working for NASA has a research facility on St. John. Uh, there's this woman, Mary Levat. She just lives in St. John, like 
That's it. She's not a marine biologist. She just hears that there's some dolphins <laughs> and goes and knocks on the door. This is 1963. Knocks on the door. And Mr. Lyle, who, by the way, he worked for NASA. He was a scientist for NASA, working on how to communicate with extraterrestrials, Mm -hmm. also taking a lot of acid at the time, Mm -hmm. and giving the acid to the dolphins, okay? Not cool. Not Not cool. cool. So Mary Levatt shows up, and uh, and he just (laughs) chats with her for a little bit, and then is like, oh, well, do you want to come see the dolphins? I mean, the 60s were wild. Yes. So she comes and sees the dolphins. He's, he gives her a pad of paper and says, just watch the dolphins for a half hour and take notes. And so he leaves. And he comes back and she, he, apparently he says, like, her notes were, were, were perfect. They were beautiful and wonderful. So he says, you can come back and work with the dolphins whenever you want. And Very so then nice. she just keeps coming back like every day. I don't know what her job was. Uh, then eventually it was her idea. She said, look, every, we work with these dolphins. And so they started yeah. trying to, he asked her to train these dolphins to speak English through their blowhole. I so mean, like to say like, Hello! you know, uh, and so she starts working with the dolphins, <laughs> but then it's her idea. Cause I'm sure there was a lot of acid involved with all of this. Mm-hmm. It was her idea. She's like, we leave every day. So we do all this work and then we leave for 12, for 12 hours and these dolphins are alone. She's like, what if we, f- we, we built an apartment in the oh, pool boy. and I could live in an apartment in the pool with the dolphins all the whole time. And then fucking Mr. Acid is like, this is a great idea. So they build an apartment that's half submerged in the dolphin pool, and she lives with this one dolphin, Peter. And then Peter falls in love with her. She Mm. falls in love with Peter. And Peter just needs to be, you know, given a hand job before he'll do his, like, language uh, his language classes every Naturally. single day. Mm-hmm. And so they do this for two years, and then eventually NASA comes and is like, what is going on? You're giving, <laughs> you're giving this dolphin hand jobs and acid? Like, we got to shut this down. And they shut it down, and Peter goes off to live in a normal aquarium where he gets very depressed, depressed and yeah. kills himself. Horrible. And, yeah, and Mary Levatt has never forgot about Peter. She was in love with him. And she is like, like ruined for the rest of her. Can I, can I, sh- can I show visuals on here? <laughs> did you ever, yes. Did you ever Google? You could show visuals. Did you ever Google a dolphin penis before? Yes. Oh yeah. Uh, pff, all the time. <laughs> Looking good. That's so upsetting. That is fucking crazy. I don't care how much acid you're on. If that thing slipped near me, I'd kill myself. Yeah. I, fucking <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That you. woman needs to be in prison. That's, that's, sick. that's some sick shit. Mary, if you're listening, you're sick. You need help. <laughs> All of them, everybody involved. That was not what we should have NASA. I think you know, she was the more. Uh, when you read about it, of all the people involved, she was the more. Um, she took matters into her own hands. <laughs> she was the one who was like, we shouldn't be giving the dolphins acid. And then she would leave and he would give the dolphins acid. And Carl Sagan was the one who eventually shut it down. Good. Carl Sagan. Carl yes. Sagan. <laughs> he had to come in and be like, let's stop giving the dolphins acid and teaching them to speak English. And jerk yeah. them off. Like I, I, I'm way more upset about the jerk of the dolphin than anything. <laughs> but what if it had worked? What if they had started talking? <laughs> and it would all have been worth it. Then all of us would be giving dolphins hand jobs all the time just to have and a conversation. <laughs> yeah. 
also submerged in the water. Like, what, what do you mean? Like, is she she's sleeping in the water? What is she? Just, she like, sleeps I, on a platform just inches above the water, and then she like walks around in an apartment that's half submerged that the dolphins swim around her legs. That's a sick. It's insane. This is a sickness. Yeah, it was a sickness. Easy to clean up, though. <laughs> Comes all over the water? Yeah. All right. Here it is. Uh, we'll send us home with this. Why? It's perfectly normal to see baby puffins thrown off cliffs in Iceland every year. Okay, that sounds scandalous. This was sent in by Megan K. Thank you, Megan. Love that, Megan K. This was in NPR, written mm-hmm. by... Mm-hmm. Mm. Alicia Hubbard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alicia's real good. Watching thousands of baby puffins being tossed off a cliff is perfectly perfectly normal for the people of Iceland's Westman Islands. Uh Uh-huh. This yearly tradition is what's known as puffling season, and the practice is a crucial life-saving endeavor. Okay. The chicks of Atlantic puffins, or pufflings, which is a great name, Hatch in burrows on high sea cliffs. When they're ready to fledge, they fly from their colony and spend several years at sea until they return to land to breed. Pufflings have historically found the ocean by following the light of the moon. Digital creator, Kiana Sue Powers told NPR. Oh, okay. Digital creator. That's who you want to talk to about throwing birds off of cliffs. There's digital creators. (laughs) Is that the authority a, on everything. Is that just a graphic designer? <laughs> I think it's just a vlogger. <laughs> now city lights lead the birds astray. And then oh. there is a picture of three people chucking. Like I'm talking chucking pufflings. Overhand. Off of a cliff. Overhand. Overhand. Because they're trying to make sure they get past the rocks. They are chucking them. I will, I will post his pictures of <laughs> picture. So they're helping these puffins by throwing them towards the ocean and not the city, is what they're saying. They throw them out over cliffs, overhand, hard as they can. That's so fun. This is so fun. Are they dying? I'm very upset. No, no, no. Powers found out about puffling season while visiting Vestmaninja uh, or the Westman Islands off the coast of uh, Iceland last summer. She was leaving a restaurant after dinner and noticed some strange behavior from children and adults carrying flashlights and boxes. People were just running around the streets, like into corners and sidewalks and stuff, frantically chasing things, she said. Eventually, someone (laughs) offered an explanation. They were on puffling patrol. Many residents of Vestmaninjar spend a few weeks in August and September collecting wayward pufflings that have crashed into town after mistaking human lights for the moon. Releasing the fledglings at the cliffs the following day sets them on the correct path. Mm. Uh, The human tradition has become vital to the survival of puffins. Rodrigo A. Martinez-Catalan of the Natustrofoswarlins told NPR... Love this. A pair of puffins, which mate for life, only incubate one egg per season and don't lay eggs every year. Whoa. Whoa. If you have one failed generation after another, the population is through pretty much. Oh. You know, puffins um, on the cliff, that's it. They're toast. Yeah. So you know what? I always thought a puffin was more like a... <laughs> like a penguin or something? Yeah. They're just a bird. So when I'm oh. saying they're chucking them overhand, they're like... They're just releasing a bird. <laughs> I'm picturing okay. a bird with its wings pinned down, and you throw it, and then you're hoping they open up halfway down the cliff. That's what I'm picturing. <laughs> <laughs> a dead yes. on the beach. 
<laughs> this, but now I, I've never been to Iceland, and I've always wanted to go to Iceland, and now I want to go during puffling season. So maybe I could, you know, I'll softball and hand style it, and I'll yeah. say, "Be free, be free, I love you, be free." But like that sounds like the time to go. Yes, during puffling season. Yeah, it's like, let's go get some birds and throw them off a cliff. None of the big mitt, just like getting it ready. They're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, packing it in, here for puffling them. season, folks. <laughs> Wow, I would like to do that, I think. When when iPhone came out, when the iPhones and everybody made the there's an app for that joke and everybody was and everybody in my like friend circle in New York would get together and we'd all be at bars and happy hours and people would pitch their app ideas to each other and most of them were really stupid. But I always wanted to do one that everybody laughed at and were like, Look at this dumb man speaking. But I thought there should have been an app called Chuck It, which was you held up your phone and you turned it on and then you picked what type of ball or throwing thing so a puffling would have been perfect for this mm -hmm. or frisbee or lawn dart and then you, however you did it your technique and the speed that you would actually do like what you guys were just doing like pretending to throw it would show you the distance I was like if you sell this for 99 cents and you go into a bar with a bunch of frat bros and you go who thinks they could throw a football the ho farthest and then they're all holding a phone and then I might have told you this one, Kurt, back in the day, but I think you were like, they'll just throw the phone and hit somebody and kill them. Yes. <laughs> That's, I, that was exactly what I was going to say. Now, so I'm happy that we never change. We are incapable of change. I probably said that drunk at a bar 13 years ago. <laughs> yes. And I said, but that's, that's great for Apple because then you have that's to buy a new Apple. phone. <laughs> Money making. Money making. That's right. Hey Steph, where uh, where can people see you next? Where should people look you up? I'm I'm in LA for a few weeks. Follow me on Instagram at Steph Tolev. Um, if you ever get out of jail, she's not shadow banned. Damn it! If you're in New York, also I'm doing a show on November 10th. It's it's far out, but I'm trying to push it. Um, part of the New York where well. where at the Le Poisson Rouge, and I'm doing an hour theater of the round type thing. Yeah, the whole yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bananas of New York, November 10th. Go see Steph. She's Treat very, yourself. Very funny. And go follow her on Instagram. Thank you so much for being here, Steph. For having me. Bananas. <laughs> Bananas is an Exactly Right Media production. Our producer and engineer is Katie Levine. The Catchy Bananas theme song was composed and performed by Kahan. Artwork for Bananas was designed by Travis Millard. And our benevolent overlords are the great Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark. And Lisa Maggot is our full human, not a robot intern. Bananas! Bananas. Bananimals, follow Bananas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love what you hear, feel free to rate and review our little show. And of course, please visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase Bananas merch.